Hi, this is David Flower, senior pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S. and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning. My name is Heather Beatty, and it's great to be with you today. It was a pleasure to have Pastor David ask me to come and share with you this morning. Um, many of you know my husband, Bob Beatty. He had been the bishop of the Susquehanna Conference um, from 2018 to uh, just earlier this year. And some of you may have heard that about six months ago, um, we were asked to put his resume in to take on the lead pastorate of the meeting house. We wrestled through that call, um, that believing we had come here to do the bishop work in this conference, but we did indeed feel that God was leading him back to local ministry. And so in August, he stepped down from the bishop role in our Susquehanna conference and became the lead pastor of the meeting house. Now, for some of you, you may not even be familiar with our denominational network and our conference itself. So first, let me explain a little bit about that. We are part of the larger denominational network, the Brethren in Christ, and that is broken into seven regions across the U.S. The Susquehanna Conference, which we are a part of, runs right up through the middle of the state of Pennsylvania from Baltimore to the New York border, and we have almost 35 churches in our region. And so the bishop's work is to partner with and support the churches, the local churches and pastors, in what they are called to do. So when Bob stepped out of that role, our regional board of directors had an ongoing conversation they had been having for a while about a shared leadership model. And so at that point, um, I had already been working with the conference. I also am a licensed Brethren in Christ pastor. And so they asked if I would be willing to lead a group of people to pilot this new shared leadership model um, of bishop leadership in our conference. And so since September 1st, we have actually been working at living into this new tasking um, of our church regional conference. And so there are three of us now who serve as what we call the Bishop Leadership Team. Um, that would be myself, Lane Lebo from McBick, Mechanicsburg Brethren in Christ, and Rob Douglas, who is at Dillsburg BIC. And so now the three of us, um, and we may add one more to that team eventually, serve as this partnership with our local churches and pastors. So you probably won't see Bob around a whole lot anymore, though you may run into him for here and there, but you may also see the other three of us um, now working with different things. We love to be part of your services occasionally. We often are popping into your offices, doing training and equipping kinds of stuff, sometimes working with your board, all kinds of different things, um, just to support what God is doing here at Grantham and your ongoing ministry. We'd also ask you to pray for us in that. Um, one of the things I very much appreciate about your church family is that that is a regular part of your rhythms. And um, I know that the other pastors in our conference and the leadership of our church very much appreciate those prayers. So thank you. So 2020, 
has been a year of unprecedented change and challenge. Um, not just transition for us and our family and in our conference, but transitions for many of us, most of us. In fact, the, the very fact that we are meeting here virtually today marks one of those significant changes. Um, and it's been difficult for all of us, I think, not to be in person every Sunday. Many of us teaching our kids from home these days, something that we never expected to do. And in fact, I know in many of your households, you may have three or four or five people all trying to work from home doing different things. That is a huge challenge. We also have many of our friends and family members who've been sick. Some of them we've lost this year, long before we were ready to say goodbye. Most of us are ready to say goodbye to 2020. However, as we stand here coming into 2021, I think we're also asking too, is it going to be much better? There's still so much uncertainty going into these next weeks and months. And as I've, think, as I've spent the last few weeks thinking about this year and all that is held and all that is yet coming, there's one thing that I feel we need maybe more than any other thing, and that is hope. Not this pie-in-the-sky, uh, wishful thinking, not a pick-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps-and-get-going kind of hope, but something that is solid, that is grounded, something that is strong, confident, peace-filled. Is that possible? Is there such a thing? How would we find that? It's been interesting as I've scrolled through social media in different platforms, I am finding that I am not the only one thinking about hope, that this topic is out there all over the place. And in fact, I ran across something that looks kind of like this in social media. This beautiful verse that says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, Hebrews 6:19. Isn't that beautiful? inspiring, this reminder of hope, hope as an anchor. But this is also what I'd call a sound bite. A sound bite, do you know what that is? It's a little piece of information, could be a meme or a tweet or a little square graphic, some little brief statement meant to send a bigger message. That's a sound bite. And as you scroll or as you swipe, through Pinterest or Instagram or Facebook, you run into a lot of these little sound bites. And on one hand, when we see scripture show up like this, it's a beautiful reminder. But on the other hand, I think there may be some problems if we just minimize scripture to sound bites. And so as, as we look at this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I hope that you like I do, ask questions like, hmm, what is this hope that it's talking about? How does that anchor work? And in order to understand these sound bites more effectively, in order to understand them in the depth and the richness of its meaning, we have to go back to scripture itself and look at these in the larger context. We want to ask ourselves, hmm, Hebrews. Who wrote Hebrews? Who was it written to? What were they talking about? Is there any way that that would be applicable for what we face today? And so in the time together that we have this morning, that's exactly what we're going to do. But before we do that, 
I want to look real quickly at some of the ways this shows up. This same little sound bite you might see in Pinterest pins. You could wear it on a t-shirt. So you could take this with you wherever you go. I found it, the same little verse, on a desktop paperweight or in a beautiful necklace. It is worth repeating. We don't want to lose sight that, that the heart of this verse is worthwhile. In fact, if you need a gift yet for someone, you may want to go check one of those out. You can find them all over the place online. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. What is this hope? What will we find? So in Hebrews chapter 6, before we get into that, I do want to just acknowledge that this is one book of the Bible, um, one of the rare books of the Bible that we don't know who wrote. Some people would suggest that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote the book, but we're not sure. Likely it was one of the initial apostles that worked with the early church. We do know from the content of the rest of the book that it was written to a people who were suffering they were in great distress. In fact, the word hope is used over and over in this book. So they were people like us. They were experiencing challenges and trials just like we were. And yet, as the author unpacks this, he's trying to explain to them this concept of hope is deeper, it's greater, it's longer lasting than one little verse then one moment in time, and then one sound bite. So let's explore what he says. You'll see as we start into this that the reference is something you have talked about recently. It's back to this covenant that God made with Abraham. And if you didn't catch Pastor David's message the early, uh, earlier this month, you may want to go back and listen to the podcast you don't need to to understand the context, but it is important, this covenant that God is making with Abraham. A covenant is an agreement. And what we find here in the covenant that God makes with Abraham is the essence of our hope. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so... After waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. See, the author of Hebrews here is explaining to us how that covenant works, how this agreement works. There had to be some swearing by someone in order to bring power to this agreement. And he goes on to explain, you see, men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. It's kind of like you hear about in our court systems today, when someone goes into court to take an oath that what they say is true, and you see them put their hand in the Bible, I swear, right, solemnly swear on the Bible, it's by something greater than themselves. I think there was an old phrase a long time ago when we were kids and someone would say, I swear on my mama's grave, right? <laughs> like silly phrases, but they're referring to someone greater than themselves, saying their word has weight. And what God is saying here is that he is the I am. He is the alpha and the omega. He was from the beginning and he will be until the end. There is no one greater to swear by. So in verse 17, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. 
God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. There are some things there that are strange to our ears and we don't understand very well, but I think we're going to try to unpack those here today. And we ask, what is this hope? What, is, what are the important pieces of this covenant that God is making with Abraham that we can also build a strong foundation on? The first is the nature of God. As we said, he could swear by himself because he is the I am. And he is unchanging from beginning to end. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we say God is love, he is loving, means that just as he loved Abraham and covenanted with him, he loves you and he loves me. There is nothing we can do to earn more of his love nor to lose his love. That is who he is. That is his nature. He is also good and gracious and just and righteous and faithful these are all part of the nature of God, who he is in his essence, that is unchanging regardless of the situation, regardless of whether we have good days, whether we do good, or whether we are in the midst of trial and failure and suffering. We can trust in his nature, his unchanging nature. But not only did God explain that he, he swears by himself because he is the great I am, we trust the nature of God, but we also trust his oath, the word of God. Now, his word to us is a little different than Abraham. We don't have those face-to-face -face conversations with God all of the time where we see him and we hear him and we interact with him in the same way that Abraham did that day. But we certainly do have his word that he has given to us in the Holy Scripture. When he says to us things like, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, Joshua 1.9. The same words that he spoke to Joshua that day resonate over the course of history and speak the same hope and the same confidence to our heart because of his nature and because he is faithful to his promises. In John 14, 27, when Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I don't give to you the way the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid because his peace is always available and ever present. When the word says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, that we know when we, when we choose Christ, when we follow him, that even the worst things that happen to us, he is able to transform and to use for our good and for his glory. We trust in his unchanging nature and we trust in his unfailing word. And as the author of Hebrews landed that whole section in Jesus, in who he is, in his ongoing living presence behind the curtain. That's what that's referring to. That in the order of Melchizedek means that he will never end. 
There is no end to his rule and reign. We also trust in the presence of God. The same presence of God that was with Adam and Eve in the garden, that showed up with Abraham and many others as he talked to them throughout the Old Testament, who spoke to us through the prophets, who just as we celebrated this past week with the birth of Christ that we see in its most fullness through the person of Jesus as he became incarnate, God with us, taking on flesh to walk among us and show us what God looks like as closely as it ever was in history. And not only that, but Jesus who would sacrifice his life to forgive my sins and your sins to give us victory in this life. And not only that, but when he left, we believe that just like it says behind the curtain, he now sits with God the Father and intercedes for us. He sees what we're going through. He sees what's happening to us. And he talks to the Father about those things. And not only that, but when he, we know that when he left in John, he also told us he's sending his Holy Spirit to be with us forever, to be ever present with us, to counsel us, to guide us, to empower us to help us do things that we don't think we can do. This is the hope that we have. The unchanging nature of God, the unfailing word of God, and the unstoppable presence of God. So I also wanted to know as I read this verse, what's this deal about the anchor? I'm starting to understand hope, how that is, that's applicable. I need that in every situation, but but. What's the deal with the anchor? When do I need an anchor? When does that come in handy? And I have to tell you, I'm not a great boater. Um, when it comes to small craft, canoes and kayaks and paddleboards, I like those. But any kind of larger vessel, I start to get a bit nervous. However, I am learning and we've had a number of experiences that have been helpful in this. And so even this last year, I've been learning a bit more about anchors. The first experience we had was last summer. Our family was in Ohio, and we were on this little lake. We had rented a pontoon boat for the day because we were with friends. And so we, we took this pontoon, everyone loaded on. You know, you can have quite the party on a pontoon boat. We took it out through this lake, tooling around, and we came to this little cove where all these boats were just anchored and resting and just enjoying the afternoon. It was a beautiful day. I mean, you could not have asked for a better day on the water. It was almost perfectly calm and serene. So we thought, this looks great. We dropped anchor right there. And for the next few hours, we played games and the kids were diving off the sides and laughing, coming back, running through and doing it all over again. And you know what? That anchor held us right where we started. If that anchor had not been in the water, you know, even though we couldn't even see the water moving around us, water always has current. It's always taking you one direction or the other. And life is kind of like that. If we try to go through life, even the days that seem calm, peaceful, things under control, and we don't recognize that we need an anchor, we will drift into places that we never intended to drift. And before we knew it, if we had not dropped anchor that day, we would have soon ended up crashing into shore or in one of the other boats. We needed that anchor. And in my life, I need the anchor. Even when things are going well, I need to remember the nature of God. I need to remember his presence. I need to be, be founded in his word or else I will drift. 
places I never intended to drift. But I'm also learning that an anchor may even be more important in the midst of a storm. They say even in hurricane-level storms, an anchor is helpful. Now, I would have thought, being a non-boater, that when they forecast a hurricane, they take all the boats into the marina, right? Get them secured, get them covered, make sure they're ready for the storm. No, they said, actually, you will lose the majority of your boats if you try to do that. The safer thing is to take the boats out a bit into the water, drop anchor, and let the storm roll. Isn't that fascinating? It's also important where you place those anchors and where you direct the boat. It is safest for a boat, especially in the worst storms, if they can be placed so that the bow of the boat, the bow, the, the front piece of the boat, is always facing directly into the waves. That way, it can maneuver and move with the waves as it comes. One of the most beautiful pictures I have seen that illustrates this is a painting by Rembrandt. Bob and I really enjoy Rembrandt's paintings, I think because he brings things to life in a way that um, a few other artists do, particularly people's feelings and what's happening. This, this painting is called A Storm in the Sea of Galilee, and it's representative of the story of the disciples and Jesus that's found in Matthew 8, starting in verse 23. We're not going to read that today, but I just want to remind you of that story, and you can go back and look at it later for yourself. But what's interesting here, and I'm sure you can't see it where you're watching from, so maybe later you can look up this picture, the storm on the Sea of Galilee, and you can, you can swipe in close enough that you can see these disciples and their faces, their responses. What's amazing here is Rembrandt captures with these different disciples the ways that most of us respond differently in times of struggle and chaos and fear and trial. You see, some of them there have their oars, and they are just struggling as hard as they can to do what they know to do to survive this storm, and probably as they go thinking, I don't know if we're going to make it. You see others who just kind of have their hands on their heads going in shock and disbelief. You see one man down at the front, he's just on his knees praying, let something happen, Lord, take care of us, please. And then you see a few of them who remember that Jesus is actually in the boat, and they have their hands on Jesus trying to shake him awake. Lord, please help us. Don't you care that we're about to die, if you remember their words. And then this poor, poor one man at the front of the boat, you see him just leaning over the side of the boat and losing his dinner. There are some of us, like, that's what we feel we can do. And if you remember, the anchor, the anchor that was in the boat with them, stood and with his one word calmed the storms and looked at them and said, Ah, oh, where's your faith? When we're in the midst of the storm, clearly it's also important that we remember who our anchor is and that it's constantly available to us, that we remember that the unchanging nature of God is the same today that it was yesterday, and for Abraham, and all the way back, and all the way in between. The unchanging nature of God, the unfailing word of God, that gives me life, that gives me hope, that gives me breath, 
that reminds me when I feel weak, when I feel afraid, when I feel tempted, that he is in all of those moments too because the unstoppable presence of God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is with us. Yes, this is the kind of hope that we need for 2021. And so as I think about how I'm coming into 2021, probably like most of you, uncertain. The kids are still home from school. We're all meeting virtually, and we don't know how long this is going to last. But there are some things like this that I do know, and there are questions that I can ask myself and that we can dialogue as a family about how are we staying anchored in this time. The first thing I ask myself is, am I spending time in God's word and in his presence? Am I living on sound bites, scrolling and swiping, or am I willing to get into his word, even if I don't understand everything there? Am I willing to reach out to a friend or to attend something that is offered online or to go, um, to go to someone that maybe I don't even know very well, but I've watched their life and I, I believe they know what it means to follow Jesus and email them or call them and say, hey, I know we can't get together, but would you be willing to talk to me about this? Am I spending time in his word, learning to know his nature and learning to know his promises? And am I spending time in his presence, in prayer, when things are calm, when I think I have things under control? Am I spending time getting to know him more, allowing him to know me, being honest before him, so that when the storms come, I know where my anchor is? Am I spending time in his presence? And are both my praise and my lament rooted in God's nature. This is one thing that I'm not sure we've talked enough about in 2020. And both of these throughout scripture, God talks about the importance of for our spirits, that we spend time in gratitude and thankfulness and praise. And that we take time to lament. There is a a holy grief that we find throughout scripture that I believe is a model for us that we in America are not overly comfortable with, particularly as it comes to sharing with other people. That God is okay with our hard emotions, with our questions and our fear. And when those disciples wake Jesus up in the middle of the boat, I think he's sad that they still haven't learned that he's the anchor and he will care for them in every circumstance. And yet, I don't think he's surprised by their fear, their angst. He invites that. But it has to be rooted in his nature still. It has to be rooted in the trust that he does love us, that he is faithful, that just as he has kept his promises all this time, he is not going to abandon us now. That is where our hope comes from. And so as we go into 2021, I'd like to pray for you, Grantham Church, as we end this morning together. And I pray that you would remember God's unchanging nature, that you would trust his unfailing word, 
and that each day, no matter what we face, we will be reminded that his unstoppable presence is always available and always with us. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here at Grantham. I thank you for the good work you are doing. And God, oh, you know this is not, this is not how we wanted to end 2020. Not meeting, not being in each other's presence, not being able to encourage each other and spur each other on together each week as we meet. And yet, Lord, we trust that you are still at work. We trust that you will meet us, that you will show us creative ways to continue to serve and encourage and support one another. God, I just pray um, for all of my brothers and sisters that, Lord, you would treat, teach us to trust you more, that you would plant this growing seed of hope in our hearts as we grow to know you more and as we see your faithfulness day after day after day. God, let our words be filled with hope and let us be filled with praise. In your precious name, amen.